Hey guys, I'm Jackie Brubaker, your host of That Girl, the podcast. I'm an author, performer, two-time Emmy Award winner, human relationship specialist, and founder of the wellness website, loveyouevenmore.com. Each week, I bring on inspiring people and experts in their field to have powerful, motivational, and enlightened conversations about relationships, self-development, and how you can live your most authentic life. Follow us for daily updates on myself and the podcast at That Girl the Podcast and at Jackie Brubaker on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and our Patreon page. While you're at it, make sure to check out my new wellness website, loveyouevenmore.com. If you're wanting to dig into developing more self-worth, be healthier about relationships, and learn how to date smarter, go to loveyouevenmore.com and follow us on Instagram at loveyouevenmore. Welcome, Colin Bedell, to That Girl, the podcast. We have already just been chatting for so long. Colin is a pro-social astrologer, but also just an astrologer, guys. He's so good at what he does. And I've been following him on Instagram for a while now. And the thing that I love about you is that you give astrology reality. You make it... Yeah, you make wow, it you. like relatable and understandable instead of this like so-and-so is training so-and-so and you're like, what the hell is a trine? You're like, psychologically, this is what's going on with mm. you, with your partner, with the world. And that is what made, and you're so hyper smart, which like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm loving. I just love all of it. So oh. welcome, Colin. Oh my God. What a warm intro. Thank you so much. I hope everybody gets intro by Jackie at some point in their life because it feels so good to hear those words. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. You give astrology reality. I'm going to have to journal on that later. You thank you. It. You can quote wow. it. Wow. And and yeah, I, I, I try to be as as well researched and supported by information from multiple sources as possible. Um, and I just wanna, yeah, just kind of talk about science, spirituality, relationships, psychology in a way that's highly integrative, where many different people can find some something, you know, actionable at the end. Um, and I'm so glad that it found its way to you. That's such a that's so exciting. Ah. Uh. So let's just start at the beginning. We're going to definitely get into the crazy transits we've had with Mercury because it was a doozy. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm going to go on the record and say poor Jackie (laughs) probably had the worst Mercury retrograde in Libra I've heard thus far, you poor thing. It was intense. It was intense. (laughs) I was not prepared. Usually Mercury for me is like, cool, like some emails don't go through. Like maybe I flub up on some words. Right. Nothing intense, but this was like, this was the cake. It took the cake. Ah, so. uh, okay. Yeah. Maybe if we have time, we can run it in your astrology and just kind of determine. Oh, yeah. I would, Only I if you would, want to. Yes. I'd be so grateful to know what's going on. Cause I was <laughs> what like, what the heck was that about? Something very bad happened. But uh, firstly, let's yes. get in to how did you get into astrology and what mm. called you? Because Again, I think there are so many different facets of you that would naturally re- lead to this. So I would um, love to hear it in your words. Uh, well, yeah, I think that I probably like most people who, like you and others, are interested in just like deeper meaning and and just a sense of what's the lens that can help me make sense of cognition, emotion, and behavior, <laughs> right? And relationships. Oh, my God. Yep. Uh, but I think that, you know, the universe and its very divine intentionality, it was kind of introducing me to archetypal and astronomical and astrological symbolism from as early as I can remember. I remember telling my parents I was going to become an astronaut one day. 
in, in some ways, I think that is what I'm doing, right? Yeah. And then, uh, I remember being, you know, a young gay boy in the early 90s who was absolutely in love with Sailor Moon. And I was just like, mm-hmm. This archetypal, like, this is my, trans- this is my spirit animal. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I was just like, oh my God, I feel so deeply connected to these women. What is this about? Um, so it was Sailor Moon. It was, um, then also when I was getting older, I started to just have a curiosity about many different dimensions of metaphysics, right? So in my early 20s, um, I started studying the principles of A Course in Miracles and also advancing my study of astrology at the same time because I went through my first breakup, which definitely brought me to my, you know, metaphorical knees. And I was like, oh my God, my best thinking got me here. And I really screwed this up. How? Right. And so what do I need to learn? And then it really just kind of got all uh, condensed then in my mid to late 20s, when I had friends telling me, you need to stop doing this for free, <laughs> especially <laughs> one astrologer. Uh, her name is Ophira A. Duke. She's a very successful, very highly celebrated dear friend of mine. And uh, I actually just adored their astrology because they really introduced me to the notion of like, as above, so below. If there's a transit, there could be more than likely a psychological context for this. So it was their kind of grounded but spiritual framework that informed the way that I access spirituality. Then we became friends, which was miraculous. And she said, stop doing this for free. And so I started Queer Cosmos with my best friend because what we wanted to do was create an astrology website that explored not just astrology, but spirituality and other secular approaches to personal development for Mm -hmm. queer folks through a queer lens. And that's where it was born because I am a a gay man. My best friend is a lesbian and she is Chinese uh, American first generation. I'm a native New Yorker too. And so she's from Brooklyn. And so we were just like, let's put all this ingredient in here and see kind of what happens. And then uh, I launched my website on June 6th, 2017. And two weeks later, Jackie, I was fired from my day job. Oh, ooh, the universe has spoken. Hello, the universe wow. has spoken. Yeah. Fired from my day job on my mother's birthday and synchronicity. My mother also introduced me to astrology when I was really young. So she would always say things around the house about my Leo father and her Gemini twins because I'm a Gemini <laughs> and a twin. So it was very much, I guess, like a kind of uh, family tie in there. And then I've been in the work professionally, I guess you could say, since then. But I think I've been training my whole life for this, actually, as I think most people are in a particular field. But I don't think my story is special at all. (laughs) You know, I think Mm -hmm. you get to a point in your life when you reflect and go, well, this was all cumulative. Yeah, (laughs) this was all kind of connected. And so I'm standing at that space now. And uh, I'm just really grateful and in awe that I get to do this for a living. It's just it never stops enriching my life, honestly. So that's my story. That is so, I think when you know your calling, it's because all of the things you have been doing come together just like that. And you have been training forever because it's your calling, it's your passion, and you're just naturally good at it with Mm. the hard work that goes into it. Right, right. So let's talk a little bit about actually your chart a little bit. (laughs) We can start to understand what a chart is because, you know, I mean, just to get it really basic, like you and I, we could talk about the the, the charts. We could really, yes. get, we could dive into that. But when people are like, oh, you know, my sign is Scorpio, which by the way, I'm a Scorpio. Oh, um, nice. Happy very early birthday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so they're like, yeah, I'm a Scorpio. Like, I don't know. That's it. 
like it doesn't sound like me when I read about my sign. Like I don't sound like a Scorpio. Right. That's really common. A lot of people are oh, like, right. oh, they all sound alike, right? Like, mm-hmm. You could apply any mm-hmm. of the signs to anyone. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of like debunk that Ooh. myth because yes. it is a myth. So I'm going to let you take that. <laughs> oh, and I love that you asked that question because, well, first of all, I think that is an honest feedback that I typically get the most from, I'll tell you what, probably Scorpios, Leos, and maybe Geminis. Like I'm not a typical Gemini. I'm not a typical Scorpio. I'm not a typical Leo because I I, I think uh-huh. often a lot of the context and descriptors are very reductive and very simplistic because it might just be for the own media constraints, right? There's only so many words we can fit on a page at one time, right. <laughs> but also... Let's move the ideas and analysis a little bit more further, please. Um, But you're right. The sun sign, when you say I'm a Scorpio as the sun sign, is just a fraction of your whole astrological story. Mm -hmm. So... It, it, you know, the natal chart actually puts forward a story that's incredibly multidimensional. That was one of the first things I said to you when I uh, met you here was just how multidimensional you are having been on your website. And most of us actually have really multidimensional facets in our astrology. We have the rising sign, the moon sign, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. They're all in a sign. They're all making aspects to other planets. Um, they're in particular dimensions of the chart, which te- which tells a really detailed, beautiful story. And typically, if the astrologer can communicate that well, then the listener will feel it. And resonance is a high indicator, as you know, in qualitative research of accuracy and capturing phenomenon. So resonance is really is really key there. But then when people have also said, which I love, actually, how is it that I relate to all of them? Right. Well, it turns out, Jackie and others, that within your natal chart, you will see that every single zodiac sign is present in your chart. Mm -hmm. We have all the zodiac signs with us, which is another way of saying metaphysically speaking, we are each other. We are one. We are one another. And how much more intimate could we be than that we realize we are one another? There's no place where Jackie starts and I stop. At At the deepest level of quantum spiritual reality, we are one another. And astrology is a symbol that helps us wrap our heads and hearts around that. Do your natal charts maybe perhaps help you specialize in a particular zodiac sign's functionality? Absolutely, right? Mm-hmm. But you have the entire zodiac within you, and other people have the entire zodiac within them. So I get a little like when people say, Oh, I can't do Scorpios, because yeah. like it or not, Scorpio rules an aspect of your chart. So now you're working with one less piece. You sure you don't want to not do Scorpios? Ooh, and that on like a psychological level is is like what don't you want to look look at in your Hello. own self? Is Sing that it. person triggering the crap out of you by just being a Scorpio? And what is that? Uh, what is that trigger here to teach you? Right? Of course, it doesn't mean you know we can't have healthy boundaries and hold others accountable. But yeah, the 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 denial or the distancing and the avoiding of what this zodiac sign is here to teach you would do a great disservice to your, I would say, your soul's evolution. And I think what I love about astrology is it gives me a lens by which I can celebrate difference, right? My astrology is specific, so is yours, so is everybody else's. It doesn't look like mine and yours, and mine doesn't look like yours. But when I have this lens, I can go, ah, look at this Virgo Virgoing. <laughs> you know, and like, look at this Scorpio, Scorpio, like, I love it. And it just yeah. makes me, I don't want you to be me. And you probably don't want me to be you. Yeah. And isn't that beautiful? And that astrology helps us regulate objection to difference. I'm convinced. Right. And then well, you can just kind of be that space to help them rise to that. Go ahead. Sorry. To I love, no, I love all of this. It just reminded me of something I learned a long time ago. And I'm not sure if you have heard this too, but 
our chart is basically, it's like the snapshot of when we were born, but it gives us the things that we're, you know, kind of struggling in, in our charts. It's the idea is that we could evolve past them. Once we realize the weaknesses or negative aspects, we can actually look at those and be like, cool, how can I be better? Totally. It's, it's, it's a story in that way. And it will speak to particular challenges. Absolutely. And I take those challenges, I under, I would look at it as they're camouflaging a gift. They're camouflaging a strength. You just can't really see it. So I wouldn't even look at necessarily like say Chiron, which is overly examined as like the wound, right? I wouldn't necessarily look at Chiron as the place where you are fundamentally going to be dealing with an existential pain. I would say that it's actually your opportunity to, once you move from trauma treatment to trauma recovery, you're a great healer in this particular area because people believe that you have a certain level of moral authority because of the experience by which you're teaching. That's Mm. Chiron. It's not just, oh, I had a bad trauma with my mother. It's like, okay, well, so did you and a lot of other people. So do you want (laughs) to, you're not precious there. So, you know, (laughs) what can you do about that to help hold space for others. So yeah, I I don't want it to look like all crystals and rainbows and good vibes only. I don't look at it in that way, but I try to make sure that every cuz you know as a as an as an aspiring therapist, the words that we share with other people shape the way that they experience reality. Mm-hmm. So I'm not just going to look at anything as reductively good or bad. Never. Right? Because I want the client to feel like okay, so that was hard and I could actually learn a little bit more about my resilience, a little bit more about my values, and a little bit more about where I want to go because of this experience. I wouldn't necessarily wish it on anybody else or right. want to endure it again, but I can move forward with this bigger and better and more adaptable and understanding. So yeah, I don't know Dang. if that answers your question. You got me on my Gemini soapbox. I love Gemini's. One of my best friends. <laughs> I love <Gemini>. Scorpios. <laughs> <laughs> I was just texting them today. They're so funny. Go ahead. No, I love it because I'm such a strong communicator. I have Gemini in some major communication aspect of my nice. chart. So I'm like, well, yeah, just, we got that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can um, see that. Maybe Gemini rising, Gemini moon. Totally, totally. I have, so my rising is Virgo and my oh, moon nice. is Aquarius. Oh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Right? It's yeah, well... Virgo is also ruled by Mercury. So Virgo and Gemini, those two zodiac signs are all about use your words at the right time to open up the right place, right place moments, right yeah. time, right place moments. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's so interesting to, especially when you do see your chart for the first time and you kind of like read about kind of what's going on and what planets mean and how that affects you. Um, mm-hmm. I know in my case, I am so interested in how my chart is progressing and ah, how I'm yes. becoming actually so much more cancer than anything else, which feels so right. Like I love being at home. I am so cozy. Like even the shirt I'm wearing is so cozy cozy and so beautiful. Yeah. I want to hold it. (laughs) I really love, like there's so much about being a cancer that I really love and I really love cancer people. So let's Mm. talk a little bit about how your chart does progress, how it isn't always going to be like, Oh, and I'm just using Scorpio because we've used it, but like, mm-hmm. oh, Scorpio is really like possessive and jealous and all of these things. Again, what we just talked about is that you have so many aspects in your chart and other right. influences that That's soften right. that. Like That's right. most people never assume I'm a Scorpio when they meet me. They think I'm either Virgo maybe or uh, They pick not, up on the rising sign. Yeah. yeah, like not Scorpio. They're like, really? You're not like a Scorpio I've met. And I'm like, 
Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Should I take that as a compliment? I know, like, what do we do with that? Um, I know. Oh, no, that's a great question. Well, I think for folks who are like learning about astrology relatively um, from an earlier standpoint, yeah, the chart does progress. It evolves, mm-hmm. and the idea is once again we are meant to experience the entire field of the zodiac through chart progressions. Yes, your natal chart represents the kind of lifelong uh, curriculum that you have throughout the entirety of this incarnation. And across the expression of that lifelong incarnation, you will experience chart progressions. Your moon actually progresses into a new sign every two and a half years. And that's where I've seen phenomenal predictive value. Like the day that I was fired from that job, my moon progressed into Aquarius. And Aquarius is all about community and standing alone, right? Literally to the day. So unbelievable. So there's just been a lot of astonishingly accurate chart progressions there. And again, it's really beautiful because, I mean, the Zodiac doesn't inspire astrology, the natal chart transits, right? It inspires deep curiosity and experience in the other Zodiac signs in a way that I don't know if we talk about enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's so beautiful is like we're actually afforded this spiritual opportunity to understand, well, wait, what is a Scorpio here to teach me? Not jealousy and possessiveness. So no, no. It's they're here to teach me about trust. Mm. Oh, and where have I not been trustworthy? Trustworthy. Where have I been too hypervigilant? Yeah. How do I understand trust? Right. So that's what I think of when I think of Scorpio. And when I went through Scorpio transit, that's what I learned. And then it helped me transform my relationships with Scorpios because I'm like, oh, I know why you do what you do. By and large, you know, I still have a lot to learn, but I have a feeling I know what motivates you. And that's what I, again, that's what I love about astrology because as you know, the quality of our life is determined by the quality of our relationships. And astrology is a lens by which I can understand just a little bit more about who I'm trying to connect with. Right. In a way that no other metaphysical system has provided to me thus far. I agree so, so strongly with that. I'm always interested when I do run someone's chart. And again, I'm just going through like cafeastrology.com. That's or great though. Like that. <laughs> but it's so interesting because I'm like, huh, I haven't seen that part of you yet. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my God, I'm sure. <laughs> like what's Maybe that? Where, where, yeah. Where's that going to factor in? Um, and, and that's true. I mean, we can run our own charts and be like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. But when you run somebody else's, maybe parts of it pop up. But I mean, we're all, like you said, very multidimensional people. There's yeah. complexity totally. and people only show you what they're willing to show you at that time. Yes. So yes. it is. And me- go on, go on. Go- and maybe even too, like, you know, because, you know, relationships are systems, right? Salvador Mnuchin's idea, they're only showing you perhaps too what you're proactively initiating. Mm, you know, I think that the social media has become besieged with this discourse of like, oh, I only match other people's energy. And if they don't do it this way, I'm out. And then people just get this license to totally deny or not even look at what role are you playing in the dance you're not happy with? Oof. You know, oh. it's yes or no, though. <laughs> yeah, that's right? that's so true. That well, actually, like kind of diverting, like not for long, but or for however such, long we want to. Let's do or it. forever, whatever. It's gonna be a two-hour <laughs> yeah. podcast, guys. Just, just Gemini well, Scorpio, sit down. We're not talking about the weather, baby. Okay, despite what others think. Go ahead. We're gonna we're gonna talk it out. Um, yeah. So there is a very strong spiritual community on social media, and. Yes. 
what you just said is something that I have noticed a lot of too, which is that if you don't believe in this, if you don't subscribe to this, if your energy is off, that's it. And I think what you're just describing is very profound in the fact that like we need to be, I mean, yes, trust your gut. If your body is like, that person's not okay. Like that person's probably Mm. not okay. And it's important to like, listen to your body. But you know, perhaps you're having a weird day. Perhaps you're internalizing things that it's, it's your stuff and it's not them. They're just bringing it up in you. you. So like, Let's talk a little bit about the stigma that's happening with like very black and white in the spiritual sort of realm. And also just, yeah, just go. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, because I have read some uh, content and watched some things that were just incredibly relationally uninformed in that way, where the practitioner or the teacher is just encouraging us to take exactly what we interpret as 100% accuracy. Mm. Meanwhile, you know, the research is pretty clear. Our accuracy rate for interpersonal dynamic is what, 13 to 15%. So we're distorting anywhere from 85 to 87% of all human interaction because of the lenses that we're bringing. Mm. So right there, I love to tell people, knowing full well that this is not, that if this is extorted, it could almost sound like one could be easily gaslit. Right. But I think what we need to remember is that we don't always see things accurately. Mm -hmm. We just don't. So then guess what? Instead of leading with certainty and conspiracy theories and hypervigilance, you might want to lead with some curiosity and questioning. And, hey, can you just fact check this for me real quick? The story I'm telling myself is. Wow. Yeah. Because I really want my clients and my readers to skill build their capacity for tough conversations. And that's another thing. Back to the black and white energy that we're seeing everywhere is. Because we're lacking the emphasis on on nuance and and distinction, and we'll wait. Let's parse this out a little bit more. We are getting a lot of people off the hook from having tough conversations in real time. Mm-hmm. We're giving a lot of people the license to go. That's hard. You make me uncomfortable. I'm out because I'm entitled to comfort. I'm entitled to certainty. I'm entitled to nurturing. No, you're not. No, that's not what life is. Hello. Life is and the you probably of have that. the scars <laughs> to prove it. So, can we just set ourselves free from these yeah. expectations, please? Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's it, that does break my heart a little bit because I don't think anyone's doing anything maliciously or you know mm-hmm. doing the, I don't think they mean any harm, but I just think that. It's unpopular to ask people to look at themselves and ask themselves, hey, what stance are you taking that creates the dance you're unhappy with? Because it can't all just be them. They might be the blatant problem, but you're the latent problem. Do you want to talk about that? Because (laughs) I don't have the luxury of them in this space. I'm only talking to you. So let's talk and be real about that. Or you really need to examine what lenses you have with relationships because I'm afraid you're setting yourself up for a lot of pain and loneliness if you don't start taking responsibility for the energy you're bringing into this dynamic. Right. And that takes a lot of bravery. I mean, it's it's a lot of bravery to be vulnerable and to say, hold on, let me get more information. Let me just like for one second pretend that I don't know everything and that maybe there is more to learn (laughs) just perchance. As a Virgo rising, it must be really hard for you to admit that. I would imagine. Really hard, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I'm, I'm personally, I'm going through a lot of that right now where I'm like, okay, cool. 
I can see what my stuff is. It's bubbling up and I can of see course. my stuff. This is not that person's stuff. And also, <laughs> let me just be really vulnerable, which I don't like to be. Apparently, Ugh. I had no idea this was so deep. <laughs> I know. My poor Scorpio friends. I know. Oh, I'm God. like, how you do that, girl? <laughs> oh, it's it's intense. I'm just yeah. like, oh Lord. And like the people that ask you to be vulnerable, they just love you. They just want to love you. And you're like, mm-hmm. Okay, I'll get there. Just, <laughs> just give me a moment. I just need some more time to yes. say yes. I love you. <laughs> oh my God. Um, it's not that the love isn't there. And so like that's part of Scorpio too is we feel really deeply, very mm-hmm. intensely. We're just 100%. afraid to say it out loud. It's That's it. <laughs> and you know what? This is what I, I actually appreciate about the water signs, Jackie, is they're not necessarily required to lead with verbal declarations of love. They're okay. not. Yes. They're not. It's the air signs that are. The water signs are here to normalize and sit with and get curious about the subjective emotional landscape associated with romantic and intimate functioning. Because that's a whole nother dimension, right? Mm-hmm. Language, behavior, somatics, that's where the other elements kick in. But it is up to the water signs to just sort of like inspire the the proximity and the education around just the emotions that underpin romantic and intimate relating. And that's really, really hard. <laughs> so yeah. that's what you meant about like, I do feel those things intensely. Absolutely. But yeah. because you're an air sign moon, one of the ways to help you feel safer to and through uh, vulnerability is communication, right? And yeah. a sense of like mental curiosity and cognitive agility. That would make an Aquarius moon really happy. Yeah, definitely. I'm a big communicator. I'm just I like, can rather, tell. I love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'd rather just be honest. Let's talk about it right now. Let's, even yes. though it's like, maybe awkward, whatever. I'd rather just get into it because we yes. all know what resentment feels like and that's not fun. <laughs> and I like that you're very proactive about it because, yeah, <laughs> I think, you know, the work of John Gottman says that yes. the amount of time it takes for a couple to call a therapist is seven years, whereas the amount of time it takes me to call 911 if I'm feeling heart pain is four minutes. Mm. We wait too long. We do wait too long. Ugh. I love this. I love Gottman so much. Me too. Me too. Me too. I know. Alive? Yes, Dr. John Gottman is still alive. So is his wife, Dr. Julie Gottman. Oh, Uh, good. John is a Taurus. (laughs) Julie is an Aries. So interesting. Yes, 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 yes. And they just came out with a new book, I think called The Love Prescription, I want to say. Okay, good. Um, Yeah, I love them. I've never met them, but the Goblin Institute follows me on Instagram and I (gasps) I brag about it sometimes. That's, I mean, I want, that's my goal. That's my goal too. (laughs) Yeah, right? Oh my God, you're following me, an astrologer? What? Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's get into some of the crazy transits we've had recently with Mercury and the other six planets that we're having a field day in retrograde. Yes. Um, Yes. So like you mentioned, I had a particularly bad Mercury in retrograde. It was very unusual. Um, Usually it's just, you know, bad communication via technology. This one was my whole house flooded and it almost did it to the day that Mercury went went into retrograde, like completely was on time. Um, And then, yeah, just incredible chaos for three weeks straight. It went out of retrograde and boom, Boom. suddenly things started to get easier. Um, Although these other six planets 
are still coming out of their own retrogrades. Yes. Let's and talk about retrogrades. Let's and do everyone it. gets scared about Mercury, but there are other retrogrades we should That's also right. be scared about. So. <laughs> you're like, you're not scared <laughs> en- enough. Right. right. You should be more scared. <laughs> um, Says the Scorpio, right? I know. Me. Danger. Yeah. So let's talk about retrogrades and sort sure. of what happened <clears throat> here and then how that pertains to, to retrogrades. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, yeah. And I don't even have to look at your chart to know why this one was harder for you. So because you're a Virgo rising, Mercury retrograded starting on September 9th in Libra and back spun into Virgo. So Mercury was retrograde in your first house of self. (laughs) So no wonder all things connected to you and self were a little topsy-turvy, right? And then it actually backspun into Virgo, your ascendant, uh, on September 29th until October 3rd, right? So Mm -hmm. just we'll look at retrogrades and then we'll look at it through the planets, when a planet retrogrades and each one has a frequency that's very different, like Mercury retrogrades three to four times a year for about three and a half weeks, the outer planets, because of their distance from the sun, retrograde once a year for about five and a half to sometimes six months of the calendar year. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why September had so many retrograde planets because it was Mercury, it was Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. And I forgot the other one um but that one basically all of them essentially (laughs) and what we can actually look at is retrogrades as an opportunity for review and reflection because as you know (laughs) modernity and the speed by which we live our life is not sustainable for critical thought Mm -hmm. it's just not it's not we move so fast we feel like we have to perform with a level of immediacy and immediacy and urgency that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. And so when Mercury especially retrogrades three to four times a year, it give us it gives us the opportunity to kind of hold this sequence of the last direct phase, right? Which was June 13th to September 9th, and ask, hmm, what did I learn about my life? What did I learn about my relationships? What did I learn about the way that I process information? And then bring that information, Jackie, down to our emotional nervous system. Mm. Because we don't give ourselves that spaciousness to reflect, reintegrate, reorient, review. Right. Right. And that's why I actually love Mercury retrogrades because, you know, we take in so much information as content creators, as people who live a lot of, a lot of our lives online. And so I like to just kind of take a pause and go, Oh, let me pick up that book again and let me finish that course I started and let me finish that email and just kind of dot my I's and cross my T's. Um, And that's why I love the retrogrades, frankly. And there's, it it can be incredibly innovative and a time for us to apply some really experimental, uh, never have I ever kind of approaches, which is exciting. And it can also just be a time for us to rest. Mm. You know, the universe rests. Modernity doesn't, capitalism doesn't, but Mercury does. So yeah. where, how can we incorporate more rest? And essentially, look, you just apply any verb that starts with RE, like retrograde RE, into your life, yeah. right? Rest, review, rethink, reunite, reconnect, return, and you'll be a lot happier. Wow. That, see, and this is why you're on the podcast, because that's the explanation <laughs> that makes sense with retrograde. Oh, good. That good. does. I mean, yeah. I'll... I could do was 
I literally couldn't really live my life normally while this was happening. I was in four different hotels with my two cats. I was traveling for work and I was busy. And when I did have a moment to rest, I wasn't in my normal stable home, which my home is like, it really makes me feel secure. I just feel so much like, okay, I can do anything as long as I'm home. And like, I have my home and I didn't. And I think Well, one thing that definitely came up for me, um, and this is interesting with reviewing, is that I've been so attached to my house for the 15 years I've lived here in West Hollywood. Like, I love my place so much. But I have been thinking, like, I can't live here forever. Like, one day I'm going to get married and I'm going to buy something bigger, you know? Like, that's going to happen. And you're going to have to say goodbye probably. And the idea that's been so hard for me to like let go of. And when this flood happened, I finally got a chance to like be away for the longest I've been where Mm -hmm. I really couldn't go home. And suddenly I was like, you know, actually, I think I could move. I think I could. I think I could do this. I think new architecture sounds really nice. No breaking pipes, you know, just (laughs) do that. And it was like this amazing review that I needed. Like I had been manifesting. I I think I've been manifesting this for a while so that I could let go and actually envision something new and Mm. moving somewhere new and having a different sort of a life, which to me, again, it's like, I'm so in my comfort zone. I don't want to, it was the one thing I was like with the pandemic and everything that's happened to everyone. I'm like, I always had my home and I was always happy and safe. And then this was like, okay, cool. We see what we need to shake up in her world. (laughs) Yeah. The universe was like, Oh, where are you? Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, we, that maybe we didn't like shake you hard enough. Yeah. They're like cancer transit that you're going through too, does help you redefine home and family. Yeah. It's been a big, it's a big part of my world right now. So yeah, I think the review was, was certainly that, but also, um, just really being asked to be vulnerable for in a way that, I haven't been in such a long time and and that's terrifying, but that's also part of communication Ugh. on different levels. And that's what Mercury is all about, right? It's about yes. like communication, whether yes. it's wonky or not. <laughs> yeah, but at least you're trying, right? And I think that's wonderful is that you're like, look, you know, this isn't going to sound perfect. I don't need it to be, says the Virgo rising. Very impressive, <laughs> right? And here we go. You're going to hear it. And then speaking of communication and retrograde, Mars, which is currently in Gemini, the chattiest Kathy of them all, (laughs) will retrograde. And I could say that as one. Uh, It will retrograde on October 30th in Gemini until January 12th. Oh, interesting. So I think what we will experience is a real focus on where we have a skill discrepancy around communicating across conflict. Ooh. Yeah. Or if you do it really well, and you know, you've been reading uh, books on boundaries by Nadra Glover Tawab, if you're curious about boundaries from the work of Princess Hemphill, if you've been thinking about how to effectively communicate mm-hmm. those boundaries, then Mars retrograde will just tighten those up and make you feel really liberated. Yeah. But if we've been actively avoiding some hard conversations because of whatever reason, right. Mars retrograde and Gemini will say like, listen, you're not entitled to comfort 24-7, so you better yeah. start using your words in real time, even when it's uncomfortable, especially when you're uncomfortable. Interesting. And that's happening when again? January? October 30th to January 12th. Okay. And five days before 
We have a solar eclipse in Scorpio. Uh-huh, so when's, of your, when's your birthday exactly? <laughs> it's the fifth. I've never. Heard. Oh, okay. No. Oh, nice. So then we actually have a lunar eclipse on your birthday, which is going to be really transformative. So yeah, the next few months will have some really interesting energy attached to it because we're about two weeks away from an eclipse, and eclipses happen every six months astrologically, and the first one is a solar eclipse in Scorpio on October twenty fifth. Okay. So remember how I said earlier that Scorpio is all about trust. That's going to be a solar eclipse that inspires us to think about how we can trust ourselves and other people with greater clarity and behavior. So, I'm, yeah, I'm reading the work of Charles Feldman right now, who wrote this book called A Thin Book of Trust. And, you know, we say trust often, but how many of us have actually sat down and unpacked what it means? Yeah, that's really interesting. I've actually been thinking a lot about trust too with being vulnerable. It's just all connected. So it's called oh, yeah. The Thin Book of Trust. Yes, Jackie. I'm it's only it. 74 pages. Perfect. It, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> and I love it. It's like, it's thin, guys. Like, come on. <laughs> it, please tell me what you think about it because I went ahead and bought two copies for my Scorpio friends. I was like, you oh. need this book and you need this book because it, it made me think of them actually and how yeah. trustworthy they are and why I love them. Because I know what they say. I can take it to the fucking bank. Can't do that. There's a lot of signs. I can do that with Scorpio. So Charles Feltman looks at care, competence, reliability, and sincerity. Okay. As the four preconditions for trust. I love love that. that. Oh, I seriously was Googling things on like emotional intimacy and trust yesterday. I'm like, which books do I need? <laughs> uh, that's the one, you know, and it, he, he looks at it for trust in the workplace. So it, it, it'll it have kind of very much like a professional container, professional okay. lens, but it can be applied to almost everything. Okay, it really perfect. can be. Yeah. But I, I'll, I'll think about some work around trust in um, emotional intimacy spaces. I'm sure Esther Perel Probably in her book, The State of Affairs, you can learn a lot about trust there because she examined infidelity as a lens for trust. That's such an interesting (laughs) paradox. Yes. (laughs) Sorry, the kitty is is trying. No, I love them. I wish I could hold them. I'm so mad. So squishy. I love them. Very squishy. Very squishy. (laughs) Oh, Oh my gosh. What else do people really need to know about astrology for their everyday lives? How Ooh, can they apply question. that? Well, I think I just watched uh, Joseph Campbell. Have you heard of him? He, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, you know oh, Joseph yeah. Campbell. Oh, my God. <laughs> I uh, watched his documentary interview, The Power of Myth, again. And it made me think about astrology and how it can be used every day because I think what we want to remember is that, like, these stories are not external symbols that we don't have direct proximity to they are in us they are of us all the time Mm -hmm. and you know when we talk about gemini and scorpio we're not talking about something outside of us we're talking about us we're talking about divinity within us Mm -hmm. and what i would really love for people to know is that astrology is one of many lenses for spiritual story, right? For connection to time, to other people, to the ages, to generations. And when you ask yourself, how closely am I living my life based on this story? And if I'm living it closely, how's it working for me so far? You you just walk and experience life very differently. Honestly, Jackie, like I'll be really transparent and say that more often than not, I live my life in awe. I really do. I live my life like, 
oh my gosh, I can't like just awe and wonder and curiosity because I am amazed at what happens when I look at my chart and I go, all right, these are the behaviors I need to probably commit to. And then when it works and I see the quality of my results, I am in awe and I would love for others to be living in that space, especially now after being surrounded by collective destruction and trauma and deadness, I think we need a little bit more awe and aliveness and wonder and curiosity. So that's really what it comes down to. And I know that was a big kind of thought, but I mean, even if it's just as simple as going like, what is the value of my sun sign and how am I doing walking that talk and start small, you will see drastic changes like that. Honestly, I don't know if that makes sense sense. or if that's no, it does. I think at this point, no, no, I think it makes a lot of sense. It makes it very practical for people to just, you know, you can literally get your chart done free quickly to sort of see where your planets are and everything is and start learning little baby steps of how to understand it. And and obviously she talked to Colin because duh. (laughs) (laughs) And Jackie, we should do double readings one day. Can you imagine? (laughs) Oh a my God. You, you, oh my Lord. <laughs> that would be amazing. I would but love it. Yeah. Just, just, I think that that makes a lot of sense of living your truth essentially. Right. 100%. And finding the areas that need improvement and not shying away from them. And, you know, saying like, maybe I'm not ready to really look at this and work on it yet, but I'm going to at least read about it. I'm going to yeah. see that it's there. Yes. And when it feels time or life really keeps kicking me in the ass because I need to work on it, I'll start working on it, you know? hundred percent. And yeah, what it will do for folks too, because you just made me think of this, is that it might validate and encourage you to step into particular values that might have been shamed or criticized. And you might be spending your whole life that like, just speaking from it personally, my moon is in Capricorn. And I don't know if you know anything about Capricorn. I love that. You love Cass. Okay, good. I'm glad that's what you said, whisperingly, right? I do. (laughs) It can be a tough placement because they really do inspire and kind of ask for excellence from others. Yeah. There's nothing comfortable about a Capricorn placement, a Capricorn transit, or a Capricorn person. They're like, drop and give me 20. I know you can do better. Yeah, yeah. And I've lived my life with that tone. And I definitely had to work on my delivery and make it come across less punishing, less harsh, less judgmental. But I spend a lot of time thinking, this voice, there's got to be something wrong with me to feel like I have this voice. And then when I had the moon in Capricorn properly explained, and then the astrologer was like, if the universe wanted you to be softer, you'd have been born with a moon in Libra or a moon in Cancer, but you have a moon in Capricorn and we need that. And I, yeah. I, I what that did to make me feel like I could breathe for the first time in so long. Mm-hmm. And then when I actually worked on instilling that in my life, whew, everything changed. That everything. makes sense. I mean, it is a gift and not everyone is going to have that ability to do that. And as long as you're delivering it in a way where people don't feel hit over the head, because yes, caps can absolutely make you feel that way. (laughs) (laughs) They did a couple. I was like, wow. Wow. (laughs) I thought I was a punisher, but nope, that's you. (laughs) I am much nicer than you. The punisher. I know that really is us, right? It's embarrassing. And I love that this Scorpio thought, I thought it was me. Girl, it's you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that makes a lot of sense of like, find the power in 
your your they are strengths. You just yes. yeah, and that's again like taking your entire chart and figuring out like how can I balance this better if things totally. seem a little heavy in some areas or lighter in others. Yeah. And especially for women, I was talking about this with an Aries woman yesterday. You know, we know that the patriarchy puts forward one model of what it means to be a successful woman, mm-hmm. right? And it's mm-hmm. um, subservient. It is the kind of people-pleasing emotional performance artist who defers to men and has, you know, 50, 11 children, right? Right. Astrology. I never, oh yeah, no, everything's fine. That's the emotional performance artist piece. It's cool. It's not cool, right? And so enter astrology that knows no gender, no sexuality, no race, no physical ability, no theology, no country of origin, and says, here's your story. Can you do your best to express it even within this physical body and watch what happens? And it does. Like when I watch like Aries women, boom, step into fearlessness and autonomy and power. Lady Gaga, Mariah Carey, Aretha Franklin, Diana Ross, right? They uplift the world in a way that only an Aries can, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what I love about astrology for like marginalized folks and people who are interested in really kind of unlearning from all the isms, classism, racism, patriarchy, the sexism. It is incredibly generative and and possibility driven. So yeah, I love it for that reason. I love that. That, See, and that's also why you're so amazing is that you see it from Mm -hmm. that lens where so many people wouldn't even put that together. I mean, it is the great equalizer where we are just what we are inside, right? Totally. And like, I don't know. I'm just very, I'm very big into just soul on soul. Like we're souls. We chose a meat suit to come into this bot or this world in. So like those are our stories that we have to live out, of course, or karma or lessons, however. But at the end of the day, like we are just souls trying to connect with other souls who we are already connected with, whether we know it or not. Okay, Scorpio bottom line. Thank you. Instead of me being Gemini word salad, right? (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? Like, that's the truth with the capital T. We want to honor the specificity of people's, you know, lived embodied experience and get curious about where there's oppression, where there's violence, where there's harm. Mm -hmm. And then also say at the deepest level, that's not your embodiment and that's not my embodiment. Can I say a quick story about this real fast? Yes, okay, so it's super funny. I was been waiting for this moment. So a friend of mine, Melissa Ruiz, she's a business coach for BIPOC entrepreneurs. We've done a lot of work together in the last few years. And I love how provocative and kind of confrontational her energy is to like really wake us up, right? So yeah. she was in uh, a workshop learning all about Buddhism. And it was led by a black teacher who was asking every person to introduce themselves with their gender, their race, and sort of body identification nuances to help people really understand, you know, their lived, probably their perspective and lived experience, right? So it comes time for Melissa Ruiz, who is, um, I want to say, she's Ecuadorian from New Jersey, right? So she did not want to lead with, this is my body, this is my race, this is my gender. She just said, because everybody would say like, oh, I am Colin. I'm a white cisgendered gay man, right? She said, I am. Period. Period. <laughs> <laughs> right? I was like, this is so Sagittarius. This is so wise. And yeah. she said, I am that I am. Yeah. And I was like, Melissa understood the assignment. <laughs> <laughs> Like she, she got didn't it. Want 
to the nuances and the details, which is not to say they're not important. Like I said, we want to honor the specificity. We want to hear. We want to get curious. We want to steward those stories by believing and respecting and honoring, right? But it, when it came time to it, Melissa was like, this is not where my identity ends. Right. It's the floor, not the ceiling. Yeah. So I was just like, go ahead, girl. So anyway. Oh, that's great. That's such a great story. I <laughs> Thank love Thank you for that. listening. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh, Colin. Tell people how they can find you and what you like to work with people on too. So when sure. they are looking for you, what, what services do you provide? <laughs> well, actually, I'd like to partner with you on this. So uh, I am getting trained right now at Relational Life Therapy to become a couples coach, which is opened by Terry Real, who is one of America's probably most preeminent couples therapists. So currently getting trained there to help people utilize relational and psychoeducational dynamics, right, to you know, further connect. They can find me at Queer Cosmos on, on Instagram. I haven't gotten to TikTok yet because I just feel like a crotchety millennial who like can't be bothered. Same. Um, okay, good. <laughs> I'm like, Instagram is where I live, you guys. That's it. Yeah, That's find me there. Come on. I don't want another app monopolizing nope. my time. Nope. Um, and I'm actually really excited because, and this was why it took us so long to get in touch. Uh, I have a television show coming out with Discovery Plus UK and Discovery Plus US oh at the end gosh. of uh, this November called Written in the Stars, hosted by BBC One journalist Clara Ampho. Oh so gosh. it's all about astrology matchmaking. And I'm really proud with the work that we did here. So that's going to be coming out soon. I got a couple of books out if if anybody wants to, you know, support me there because I got student loans to pay. So, uh, yes. <laughs> no, I'm not getting that. Buy his books, guys. Buy his books. <laughs> Please. Because yeah. I don't want to be in educational debt for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no. So that's where they can find me. And yeah, my work really does, I think, center on the astrology of identity and relationships. So if people are rightfully confused about like, well, wait, what are my values and how do I take a stand for this? And where where am I supposed to be with career? I could help them with that in astrology reading. And also if they're in a bit of a standoff or an impasse or some sort of relational ambiguity or ambivalence, I could talk about that as well and discuss the connections between astrology and research-backed evidence on relationships. Amazing, you guys. He's like an astrologer psychologist. That's what he is. That's it. No, not yet. Not yet, I but mean, I appreciate getting it. Close. <laughs> getting close. I appreciate that framing. Oh my God. Oh but my yeah. God. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. This was amazing. Thank you. Please come on again. We'll talk about whatever. Anytime. I, yeah. Anytime. <laughs> if you were just like, can you explain to me? Well, it wasn't a broken water pipe this time, but there I was, 405 or whatever. Right now, I don't want to speak anything into existence, but I'll I'll compare anything astrological. And you stay safe out there because, yeah, Scorpios and Taurians are going to have really powerful changes afforded to them. But it sounds like you already had one, and Uh, I can't wait to see where this develops for you. Thank you. All right. Well, you will be back very soon, my dear. Yes, I hope so. Yay. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember, sharing is caring. Make sure to rate the podcast and leave a review. We really rely on this to help get the podcast out there. Also, make sure to watch the video version on YouTube at That Girl the Podcast.